0: Boom. Mm-hmm. Hi, my name is Monica Kretschmer, and I'm the founder and CEO of the Universal Women's Network, Woman of Inspiration Awards, and this is the Woman of Inspiration podcast, where we speak with women who are leading, inspiring, and motivating others to dream big. We're speaking with women who are ignoring the naysayers and taking the road less traveled. And definitely one of the trailblazers I'm so excited to be interviewing today is Miss Sarah Hauko. She is the co-founder of Hauko Peters and Associates um, in Calgary. And you are I don't know when you find time to sleep Sarah you've got your hands in so many different things and you rock every single one of them from your fitness to your practice to um, you know to be an advocate for women um, we're so proud to have you part of our 100 woman of inspiration book as a contributor you were also a 2019 woman of inspiration nest award recipient and we'll talk about that award and why it's so important so welcome Sarah
1: thank you thanks for having me
0: so you know i look at all of the incredible accomplishments and designations that you've acquired you're a powerhouse um you know first off for the listeners that don't know your background in your story how did you get to be where you are today what motivates you uh
1: well motivate what motivates me is trying to be the very best I can be, trying to be uh, better than I was yesterday, trying to not just be an example for my daughters, but be an example for myself. Um, You and I know each other reasonably well and and have some shared uh, background and experiences, but uh, there was a time in my life that I wasn't sure I was going to have much of a life and when I got out of that mess I just thought this is it and I'm not wasting any more time so anyone who told me that I couldn't or I can't was like you just watch so um, for a number of years my motivation was probably fueled by probably just anger and I was mad at myself and I was mad at men and I was just I was just mad so I I uh, just wanted to prove everyone wrong and go like a bull through everything. And in the last few years, I've been trying to rechannel that into letting gratitude be my driver instead. So leading with uh, gratitude uh, while still trying to make a change. I, I had a lot of things go wrong for me and I had a heck of a lot of things go right for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that was earned or otherwise, it was just, uh, it, we, we've talked about happenstance because um, simple things, simple things that you and I have, I'm white, I speak English, uh, I kind of know this system, uh, it was, I re-entered a workforce, I knew how to navigate and I re-entered a culture i knew how to navigate and i didn't have the barriers that other people did so uh, similar to you part of my drive is to use my privilege to the best of my ability to help break down those barriers for others and make uh, success available for anyone regardless of what their chosen thing is mm.
0: And, and that's what I love about your, you're so tenacious and in a most positive way, like tenace, tenacity and ambition are sometimes words that people are kind of used as like negative, but I think they're totally empowering and love, love to see women that are really owning their story and fearless and, and totally badass because like you are badass. <laughs> and I know that you, you own that. You I love that am word.
1: badass. Yeah.
0: But I think what I love most about you, and we've had so many conversations, Sarah, um, was that if people look at you and all of your accomplishments, Mm -hmm. they find it very interesting to find out that you were in a situation that was abusive. Mm -hmm. And how did you get into that situation? Right. And, and women that are listening, you know, we're like, I'm smart, I'm capable, I'm driven. And how is it that women that have everything going for them end up in situations like that? Uh,
1: well, I asked myself that for about <laughs> eight years while I was in it. How how did this happen? Uh, but you, you and I have discussed in the past and we see these statistics, but we don't always Uh, personalize them if we consider that the statistics tell us that one in three women are in or have been in an abusive situation we all know someone we all know someone so someone from my background for example um i was educated i had a nice upbringing i was independent uh so i wasn't the stereotype in my head of what an abused uh woman looked like however um i am actually exactly what one you know subset of um of a woman in an abusive relationship is and uh i have used the example before of the female physician who was murdered by her husband in toronto probably two summers ago maybe it's three now and people are like how did this happen right why do you stay well it's far more layered than that uh it's, it's not it's not just financial, it's not just poor self-esteem. It's not, it's, it's far more complicated, especially with kids being involved and someone like us, like you and me, Monica, and, and so many of our peers, where we're so driven and we're so focused that we're like, well, we're gonna fix this, right? So instead, we're not these shrinking violets. We're like, okay, well, here's a problem, my man. Well, I'm gonna do this and then I'm gonna do that. Right? So it's, um, it's complicated, mm. it, it's complicated. It's not so easy to just leave. And, uh, again, we know that a woman's life is at the highest risk when she leaves. Mm. And so when you
0: chose to leave for those of you that, uh, are our listeners that don't know your story, are you okay to talk about that time? Because. I think that that is a really important thing is, is number one, when you know that it's time for you to leave, when your life is in danger, um, it's life or death, usually at that point, um, the little stones become bigger, 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 at least they did with me, and it was life or death. And I know that was the same in your situation as well. And had we not actually had that conversation, we would have never understood how There are so many parallels into that. And I think that talking about those triggers are those things that people go, okay, I'm close to that now. I got to get out. But also be educated on knowing what you need to do when you do get out, because that's when you really need some support.
1: Well, you you do need the support and and sometimes you don't know what the heck you're going to do. Right. You may have no education. You may have no. Uh, work history, you may have no family to lean on, you may have no home and no bank account. These aren't easy decisions. So people will stay, um, for again, for any number of reasons, but they may be staying because they're like, where am I gonna sleep? What about my kids? I don't have a job, right? Like Mm. it's, um, so to the best of your ability, you need to reach out to help for help, but it's so um, embarrassing and secretive that doing so is is hard. So there's there are great social systems available. Uh, we're in Calgary, but there's great social systems available all over, um, all over the country. Mm-hmm. So if you have one friendly person, and, and it could just be a friendly acquaintance from the playground or from school, or is there someone that can keep your kids safe and you safe? Whether it's at a shelter or whether it's at um, a friend or family's home, it's it's complicated. Not everyone has uh, the resources or even the friendly network or uh, the English as a language skills to escape it. Um, You know, I was lucky enough to have an education. I was lucky enough to have a family that had been kind of like waiting in the wings for me. Uh so I was I was scooped up. It didn't mean it was easy, but it was way easier than it is for so many. And And neither break you or make you. And and hopefully it's kind of a combination of you're broken and you're reborn, right? And and that's how I've been treating the last. You know eight and a half years of my life is i'm so freaking thankful every day that i get to go to work and so excited that i get to exercise i get to drive i get to talk to friends like all of these things that you know i'm like a tween or something like really i'm allowed to do that so um yeah well and it's really a rebirthing
0: and i think that's i you know the road is really long it's um you know to rebuild it doesn't happen overnight but Mm -hmm. i really love to share you know and talk to women who have taken the adversity and turned it into a gift and that's what i think is so remarkable about your story and you and i share that same it's an ambition train it's just like that resilience muscle is like meet mr muscle one (laughs) and number two you know because really
1: no one's gonna tell you that you can't right like now game on
0: yeah, it, it, it does build your character builds your strength. And, you know, I think that by more women kind of being open and talking like yourself about your experience in a non judgmental way, you know, enables somebody else to sort of open up and um, share their story, their experience, because um, you'd be surprised how many people in a room can put up their hand and say, um, "I'm fine, but I'm really not fine," and I've experienced that.
1: Well, two of my files that I've worked on this year, my clients uh, were female physicians who made a lot of money, and they were in these terrible, terrible, frightening marriages. Right? I like get it, it doesn't make sense, and yet it and yet it does. It's. Um, But it also, for me anyway, I don't know about you, you may have been fabulously um, empathetic before. I wasn't, I was kind of a jerk in my 20s actually. Not not such a jerk, but I just lacked the compassion that I have now and I lacked the empathy I had now because I just didn't know what I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I would have been the terrible person that would have been like, oh, you're homeless, go get a job. Like how awful is that, right? And I wouldn't have thought, well, maybe this person went through this adversity and this adversity and this adversity so I I think a a big lesson learned for me and a good takeaway is it's made me uh, certainly a lot more humble uh, a lot more empathetic uh, a better listener Um, so it's I it's made me a better person I hope.
0: And I think, and that's what the Nest Award is all for. Um, And that was a special award really that we started doing um, almost from the beginning, certainly from 2017 was the Nest Award. And really to recognize the single moms, the, the woman, that have transformed their lives and really achieved success and are still working and and, and giving back and supporting um, others. That's a very special award, and I, I just can't. Um, you know, I see that you're continuing to do it. You continue. You continue to raise the bar for women, Sarah. It's just incredible to watch and see um, how you continue to flourish um, day to day. So I, I do have to ask. Um, so you and I both experience a court system and I want to touch on that a little bit because yeah. it is such a big issue. And, yeah. um, you actually have a fam- family member, um, in the court system yeah. and you know, so there's, where do you, where would we begin in, in sort of unpacking this because you leave an abusive relationship, then you get into the court system and then the, um, alienator targets you by taking away your kids. At least that's my case, parent alienation, which is not even on the radar where it should be right now. So the courts play a really important role in that. And it's very broken. So how do you see, how are you supposed to make some change? What do you see?
1: You know what? I, I don't have the answer, but I am so live to the problem, right? Uh, it's even when a woman is able to leave the marriage, um there's still the issue of this power imbalance continues right and the power imbalance unfortunately continues to um to the spouse that can afford to keep paying a lawyer right and they will just out you or they'll uh, they'll just break you down and and sometimes you know a, a client i've been working with recently She had been married for over 20 years, a traditional religious background where uh, it was normal to get married right out of high school, never worked, no post-secondary. And then he decided he wanted to be married to someone else. And, you know, the alienation that you're talking about uh, had, you know, rallied his late teenage kids to force the mom to sign everything over. Signed everything over. So she has no education. She's never worked. And now she just signed over and walked away from everything. And one of her friends reached out to me um, from Southern Alberta and said, Can you help her? And I'm like, Yeah. So I do, like you, I do a lot of pro bono work. This woman can't pay me. Uh, I mean, I spend a lot of time telling women in particular to charge for the work, charge for the work, know your value. Mm. But uh a lot of times people just don't have access to the experts so you know i help as i can or redirect as i can but uh legal aid only goes so far and it's not always accessible um and there are some lovely amazing lawyers that you and i know that also do pro bono work as they can but there's only so much time and so many people to help how we fix the system i don't know Mm. i don't know Um, because uh, I had, as you know, just holy dinah, a heck of a time and finally just walked away because I couldn't afford to fight, I couldn't afford not just financially, but emotionally to fight anymore. And uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll spend time walking women through the self rep process to the best of my ability. And really I'm just directing them to, the, the website and the forms and what I think the process would be. And maybe you can talk to like, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not giving legal advice. I'm just trying to guide someone to the best of my ability. And, mm-hmm. um, my role would be coming into, you know, I do a lot of initial snapshots of you no, know, so-and-so doesn't make $10 a year based on this, this, and this, I'm pretty sure they make about a hundred, but you know, so it's uh, it's a, I I don't know how to fix the system. It, you you've had a worse time than I have, but I see it all the time, just getting outlawed and outlitigated, and the self reps um, can be challenging, and uh, there can be collusion, there can be lying, there can be falsification of documents. It's all very complicated, and the courts need to care, and and I think that the courts feel uh, I'm just guessing rather overwhelmed by their workload as well which has just increased 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 and do you get them on a good day or a bad day I don't know
0: well I you know it's just something that as you experienced it and as you have it a lived experience then you become knowledgeable to where the areas that are so broken and yeah. unfortunately you and I and those that have been through this tragic experience through the court system like you know I'm going on 14 years. I was married for 15 months and now I'm a self litigant for the past seven years. I don't even talk about that. I of guess it's over the bag now, but, um, you know, and I'm going to start talking, uh, using the platform now to talk more about it because it's tragic. It's shocking. Um, and you know, there's judges that have zero background like mine cool. case managed with family law that are making rulings based on your family law case that's very complex and very high conflict so you know I just want I guess just start the conversation because it's really important and rallying around whoever we can to make changes to laws and government I think is going to be our next step um our kids
1: um sometimes lawyers themselves fuel the fighting right there are some very very good lawyers uh and then there's some that they don't need to see into this dispute because they can collect fees along the way, and and that's not a jab at lawyers because you'll find it with accountants and you'll find it with mechanics and you'll find it with right like it's yeah it it's all all people all professions where it's going to be good and bad, but um, it's it's a frustrating and you feel handcuffed to the system and you're just trying to get out of it. Hmm. I always, um, you know, I had a conversation with
0: someone where I was describing it to being like a boxing ring, where, you know, picture MGM Grand, a great big fight going on. Um, But the difference is, is that one party's there to fight, the other one has to be in the ring, has no choice and no way out of that ring, and that's what the court system is. Um, yes, the there's force, a, the force, one force party force. that draws you in and you don't have an opportunity. You have to be able to defend yourself, you, but there's no yeah. option.
1: Well, and if you don't defend yourself, then you're automatically effectively found guilty of whatever. Yeah
0: okay so we have more to discuss anyway. here yeah. um and for those that are listening that was just a little bonus grant um but we're you're talking with two women get me going that have been, that are very passionate about you know um changing making change because it shouldn't be happening and women were really at um the mercy um more times than often and you know there are some men that have been involved in it's the opposite right i'm not going to say that there are not men that have been involved but primarily it's women that um are experiencing this so um we will solve the world not today miss sarah but i want to talk about um you and what you do when did you know that you would be you know you're a problem solver you're a strategic problem solver when did you like what did you want to be when you grew up did you knew that you wanted to do this profession when you were young
1: No, I hadn't even heard of it, Uh, insolvency I hadn't heard of. So I started in nursing of all things. I, I only lasted a week in nursing. And when I realized I had to work in a hospital and I was like, that's not what I signed up for. I signed up for shift work and global work and, you know, you know, great pay. I put no thought whatsoever into the actual job description. So that was short sighted. So I didn't last in nursing. Uh, And then I did my first degree in humanities. So I thought, well, I'm just gonna do whatever I'm interested in. So I did uh, languages, I did German, Italian, French, uh, philosophy, uh, ancient history, religion. It was a lovely, lovely, useless degree, right? Like it was, I I knew a lot and I could serve beer in three languages, but uh, (laughs) that was uh, as much as it did for me outside of I guess expanding my mind. Uh, So then I was trying to decide between dentistry and being a chartered accountant. I took an accounting course in my third year university and I was pretty good at it. But I thought, uh, and, and anyway, ultimately I became a chartered accountant. So I became a chartered accountant and was going to practice in tax. That was what I was gonna do. I was gonna be a brilliant tax lawyer. And I was gonna, you know, finish my, it's called the CICA in-depth tax course, which is like a master's in law. And after that, uh, one of the law firms in town in Calgary here would actually sponsor the CAs that were tax specialists to go through law school. Um, And had an epically misogynistic, terrible, interview and i just i walked out of it so, so i walked out of that interview i was saying you know thank you very much mr so-and-so peace out and i walked out and then i thought what am i going to do with my life because this had been my focus for about eight years uh so i continued to practice in tax and then i got introduced to insolvency in 2004 So in 2004, I started working in insolvency, which is like bankruptcy receivership uh, proposals. And, you know, when things go sideways and you have no money and the courts come in. So I did that for, um, you know, ever since uh, about four years ago. What I kept on finding was I could only get paid if I was the trustee or the receiver, the bad guy, right? The bank would call and say, Sarah, Monica's company owes me money, so I'd be like, okay, and I would go over to your company, and I'd fire everyone, and I'd sell all your stuff, and I'd lock the doors, and so I, no one wanted to meet me twice. If I was at your doorstep, we had a problem, uh, and about four years ago, right after I finished my master's in law, I was thinking, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. We can't just run through the court system, and fire everyone and sell everything and kill this legacy. And there's families involved and there's creditors involved. And like, this is not a happy outcome. It's necessary sometimes. I'm not slamming the whole insolvency community. But there's got to be another way. And my partner, Kent, who, who uh, you've met, Kent Peters, is the Peters and Hopco Peters. He had been 20 years at RBC and was feeling the same way. So we came together to think, how do we help companies survive and individuals thrive? How do we fix the pain point? Because we don't need to just shut everyone down. How do we just go in as triage, figure out what went wrong, give the bank and the other creditors some comfort that look, they've brought in some extra help. And that's what we've been doing the last four years or so, where I've only had to fire two people and they were both thieves i didn't feel badly firing them they were stealing mm-hmm. so other than that it's been great and maybe we you know i might have to come in and help them along and fix up their financial administration and management and maybe they're you know they should stop building this widget because it's just not profitable or maybe they're bidding wrong or we'll go in, we'll find out what the problem is they kind of fix them bring in some new financing if required typically it is and then we you know let them launch so instead of uh killing the company we're just kind of rejigging it and getting them set up for success and it seems to be a win-win the creditors are happy the bank's happy and the company and the business owners and employees and their kids everyone's it's uh it doesn't mean it's an easy process but it's uh, a really good outcome I feel good about what we're doing and um And combined with that is I'm a certified fraud examiner as well. And I've done a handful of Ponzi schemes for the ASC or for various companies and uh, dealt with shareholder disputes and employee disputes and matrimonial disputes, lots of them. So I'll come in and again, someone's got a pain point, either someone's been wronged or someone's misappropriated funds or someone, you know, so sometimes I'm kind of going in and trying to find a bad guy or a gal um and just kind of going in and fixing problems i'm in i'm out and i'm on my way
0: that is such an exciting career like i think it's incredible that you've carved such a niche um in this area while still really saving you know company with the goal of really wanting people to succeed right um you know and and making that not so scary for people if you need help call Sarah she's here to help you not help you go down the rabbit hole where you can't crawl out of you know so I think that's such a positive way and I know that um you had mentioned um divorce as well I mean that's 50% of the population um would you do you think that's a big part of your business now? Has that become a big part or is it still more corporate? Um,
1: yeah, no, it's it's a big part of it. It's, uh, I'd say I spend about half of my time on it. At least 50% of my time is on, we will call it litigation support and the litigation support. So, you know, one spouse or the other uh, will come to me to Try to help with an income determination or trace funds. Sometimes it's rather complicated where one spouse has a number of companies or trusts or this and that going on. So trying to demystify everything uh, and provide something that is understandable to both spouses, to both lawyers and to a judge, and just trying to provide comfort around it and some compassion around it, right? Like I'm in everything i do money's not my driver it can't be my driver because then i'm not feeling fulfilled right like i that's not fun for me Uh, solving these problems sometimes are big and complicated Uh, and sometimes for me it's really really easy and you know i can fix someone's problem like this or tell them what's going on because i've been doing it for 25 years Mm -hmm. but just having someone uh whether it's uh, and this is for men and women. You know, almost all of my corporate clients are men, and a handful of my litigation supporters were men because maybe it's an employee issue or a shareholder issue or you know mm-hmm. partnership. Um, just having some compassion and understanding, and helping them feel empowered and heard.
0: Well. I have to give you extra kudos. I know that you're now a certified universal women-led company, um, yeah. you know, with your partner. And what a beautiful synergy we did the announcement a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and I first time that I actually had an opportunity to meet your business partner Kent, yeah. and I felt like I knew him before I met him, just because you he's so involved in everything that you do and such a big champion and supporter of you. But I think what you When you're talking and speaking about that compassion for people, and about what really makes your company succeed, is that it's it's not driven with the money; it's driven with the purpose. Would you agree that's like a secret sauce, like it's almost unheard of?
1: Kind of my litmus test, and I don't know, it's uh, it's not mine. Someone has said it a million times: is what would I be doing if I won the lottery and I had? you know, a hundred million dollars, like more money than I could ever spend. And I'd be doing this, right? I might have a cleaning lady five days a week, but, and, and maybe a great vegan chef, but i would be coming in the office every day still. Like Kent and I both love what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Like we love what we're doing. And, and I feel good about it. That was the problem when I was still working as a receiver and the trustee I wasn't feeling good about what I was doing. I didn't think that, and I'm not saying they're doing the wrong thing. I didn't feel like I was doing the right thing because I thought there was a better solution uh, that was more beneficial to all parties.
0: Super great. And I I can just hear like these the silence as everybody's digesting all of the things that you're talking about because it's not common sense for somebody to actually know that there's actually a person like yourself available to help support people through some of these most really tough tough times and i gotta say you know who would like to say i'm struggling financially my company's struggling financially that is not an easy pill to swallow and to have somebody know that they actually care about you and wanting you to succeed is so important and there's no judgment um, because, of course, your story is you started, you started rebuilding this hopeless. I've, had, I've been homeless.
1: Fast. I've had no money. I've had no car. Like, I'm with you, buddy. But <laughs> oh, we get it. Yeah. We get it. Super powerful.
0: So, Sarah, I'm going to ask you as we sort of wrap up here and, um, you know, I've, I've got a couple questions, lots yeah. more, but um, just a couple I'm going to narrow it down to is what inspires you most about female leaders today? about female leaders? Yeah what what yeah what traits inspire you about other women oh, leaders? Well
1: it comes back to what I just mentioned is uh, compassion, collaboration, right? I find that the female uh, leaders I know are wanting to embrace and support and help others rise and that's a difference. Right, so even think about when we started, I'll say we started 20 years ago, the stereotype was that the ball-busting queen bee who just wanted to smush the other women because they broke through that glass ceiling. I I don't get that sense anymore. I feel that our peer group uh, in particular, and, and even younger, and there's some fabulous ones older, They want to work together. They have a patience and a strategic ability to think through the problems, to scan the lay of the land. Uh, I think that my experience with women is that they're less likely to let their ego get in the way, sometimes to a fault, right? So much so that they may let others steal their thunder or make a decision that we're like, "Eh, I don't think that's right. Uh, we're more likely to suffer from imposter syndrome, which we're all, you know, coming out of, I think, or at least I feel like I've come out on the other side of earning my seat at the table. Um, so, uh, the female leaders just bring, uh, so much strength and a dynamic nature, right? And holy cow, can we do a lot of stuff, right?
0: Mm. We can drive change as we're going to do real shortly here, like literally drive change with the 2021 road show going across Canada, you know, uh, with, you know, a cement truck. What what does it feel like for you? I mean, as a change maker standing in your power, how does it feel to be involved in a project like that where you're yeah, actually
1: going across hey. North America, It keeps
0: seeing spot
1: the track and I'm like, hey,
0: like how does that feel because I find Sarah and you talk to me about it but women have a hard time stepping into the spotlight no not me
1: good yes and you know what I didn't have any mentors when I was in my early 20s I didn't have any mentors when I was young and just starting out and now with you creating this platform especially I, I think that women were there and probably were available to me. I just didn't know who they were or where they were, or how to do it. And you're giving uh, women the opportunity to be mentors and to be mentored. Right. And uh, and, and a common problem that we have uh, as female leaders is that we think we're all alone all the time because we're working so darn hard. We're head down, head down, head down. And then well, now I got to go be a parent and now I got to go be a volunteer. And now I need to go through this. So we lack the inherent network that may have been traditionally available outside of COVID times to the boys, right? At the bar or the golf course or this and that. So you've created a community and made it accessible for anyone to come in. And that's a big difference. So uh, young women are seeing themselves in, you know, me being an older woman, and also men are seeing women being leaders, right? And I and I don't think that it's as a weird thing for a man in his twenties to have a female boss, right? Like I I don't think there's that tension. And my partner Kent, and I are the the same age, and uh, well, he's two years older. Um, but he's never treated me in any other way other than being an equal, or maybe even better, just because he's that kind of awesome guy
0: so that's going to lead me to this next question here is why is it so important um or number one who are your male support hers and allies because of course the support hers are men that are champions in your networks workplaces and communities so that's the first question and then why is it so important that we bring men to the conversation to champion for women
1: well Kent of course is my number one support her because we spend most of our time together and this is our business front and our livelihood. Um, my boyfriend, Pete, is a great supporter who just wants nothing more than to see me soar and fly and be all the awesome that is possible, right? He's got no ego whatsoever when it comes to that. Um, I don't have a ton of other supporters, I gotta tell you. I gotta tell you but I'm working on it. I've had some that I thought I had uh, throughout my career and when push came to shove, um, it wasn't quite there. So I'm unfortunately a bit um, mistrustful of some of the fakers out there uh, because actions will speak louder than words. Anyway. Uh, but I think it's important that men come to the table because that's the only way to affect change. This isn't—we can't do it on our own. It's a societal issue. It's—it's uh, a—it's misogyny just under the surface, right? It is uh, words mattering. It is uh, the treatment of females in in all environments, making you know the the men have to stand up you and i can't stand up and complain about a sexual ridiculous inappropriate comment i mean we'll say something and then we'll be like see you know they're hysterical they're not so sensitive whereas if a man is saying no that's not that's not the right thing guys the the change has to happen concurrently and together uh, because we can't do it on
0: well, I just, I, I love your authenticity around that. Yes. Um, so if you have to support hers, you're winning. Um, and for those, I think it, you know, for, you know, the Kents and the Peets in the world, um, it's up to our support hers to lead by example, to raise the bar for the others to follow. Because I certainly do agree and subscribe to that, that nobody's going to want to do business with them um work with them work for them it, it really it, you want to be involved with people that want others to rise and to be champions for each other and I think you know focus on the positive let the negative fall to the ground we'll focus on the positive always but um, I, I will interject
1: just for a moment because yeah. I'm feeling a bit of a jerk for saying I have no other supporters many 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 of my clients um are all men who have come out and reached out to me intentionally to me and not Kent and that doesn't and tons and tons of people reach out to Kent but if I'm the point of contact then these are men and decision maker men who trust and support me in that way so they're they're supporters, right Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Yeah, I, and
1: that's what we're driving.
0: we're gonna talk about that on the roadshow is let's talk yeah. about the male champions because they they do bring value to the table yeah. to help and support right. so and to help us move like the that. mountains. You yeah. Go. So yeah, yeah, you're when they listen to this, they're like, Thank you, Sarah. I'll call yeah.
1: you for so.
0: Anyways, it's been a pleasure having you. I, this would not be a Woman of Inspiration podcast without asking you yes. what your definition of a woman of inspiration is, Sarah. Oh
1: my gosh, I would have written this down if I had the heads up. Woman of Inspiration. I, I actually think a woman of inspiration is someone who completely lives in alignment with their values, whatever those values are, but living in alignment, walking the talk right? We can all yap away. Are you doing what you say you're going to do? Are you in alignment and consistent uh, with your language and your words and your actions? Are those consistent? And are you able to use your privilege, however big or small it may be, to help raise others? Mm. But that's a moment of inspiration. You don't have to come um, overcome this ridiculous, adversity that you and I may have had, right? It's not some badge of honor. You don't need to be a a victim to be a a hero. Um, But are you doing your best to do your best?
0: Amazing, and you didn't write that down. That is completely unscripted and boy, that's powerful. So thank you um, for sharing that. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. Now, who is a woman that inspires you, Sarah?
1: oh gosh so many women that inspire me lindsay mincher love her she's a family lawyer in town um megan cotterell my favorite ninja she was a 2020 woman of inspiration karen fellows is just killing it in the insolvency world she was a 2020 woman of inspiration as well she's so fabulous and you want to talk about raising other women up she's our gal um I don't know who else. We love Pink and Glennon Doyle, of course, because we want to all be goddamn cheetahs. Um, my daughters. My daughters are, you know, young women of inspiration who see no barriers to entry based on gender or sexual preference, or they're, they're just so... You know, tweeny teeny, right? Like they're just—it wouldn't even occur to them that uh, they can't be anything in the world they want, mm. and and that's fun. And I and I see young men, my nephews, who just, or Megan's son, or just these young men coming up as well, who just believe with any every grain of their being that of course women are equal and amazing and should be business owners and professionals. Like, why wouldn't they and and i find that inspiring so there's so many beautiful and i and i love the fact
0: i know that um we're just wrapping up here and you have a meeting to go to but for the listeners you had shared a really great story where it's it's really because you're such um, a great role model to them Um, that they had no idea that um, doctors and (laughs) um, (laughs) professionals could actually be men because all of (laughs) mom's network, they were all women. My dentist is a female, my lawyer
1: is a female, my advisors are female, you know, my, yeah, so yeah so i think
0: that's where it starts is by role modeling such beautiful leadership um and really aligning with values which you do such a beautiful part um doing sarah and i just want to say it's been such a pleasure it's always such a pleasure um chatting with you um three words that were asked to describe you were grateful active and motivated um i would also add if there was a fourth one you're super ambitious and super inspiring and it's been a real pleasure being on this journey with you and we're so proud to have you part of our network and and um, you know, be on this great big journey with us through the 2021 roadshow and the book coming up, and and the change
1: and the impact 25. we're gonna make together. Um, and, and I'm grateful to be part of this journey and this community you've created. I'm, you inspire me. I I love your hustle. I love it, and uh, you are certainly walking the talk. So. Thank you.
0: Well, much love to you. And so, the listeners, if they want to dive in and someone they know, someone they know um, personally, or someone in their network needs your help and support, how can they get a hold of you?
1: They can find me on LinkedIn, Sarah Hawco, H A W C O. That's probably the easiest way. Or our website is Hawco Peters, H A W C O Peters.com. Or I don't know, I'm pretty easy to find.
0: And you also give hotshot um, fitness classes. How many did you, fitness classes did you do last year in a balancing all of that? Because we've got- Oh, uh, I did. Fitness.
1: I know from COVID, March to March, I did about 530 fitness classes. <laughs> I do <don't> know. <laughs> I've scaled back. I'm down to seven a week. I teach seven fitness classes a week now. Yeah. Okay, so now the
0: molds are dropping. Um, you know, for everybody listening or watching, they're going, when do you sleep? But seriously, you do lead by example, Sarah. You're just a, a tight calendar. Don't mess with my calendar. That's all. <laughs> Super exciting. Uh, you have so much to share. We look forward to um, speaking with you again and again. Um, if you did enjoy this Woman of Inspiration podcast, please share it with all of your friends. Um, subscribe and, um, you know, learn all about the Universal Women's Network we do have memberships where you too could belong to a community of women that are dynamic and empowering and drive change. So thank you everyone. Um, thank you again, Miss Sarah Hauko, who is the co-founder um, and a certified U- Universal woman led company owner um, with Hauko Peters and Associates. So um, thank you again, Sarah.
1: Thanks, Monica. Bye. Bye. Bye.